Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. I want to welcome you. If this is your first time checking out Elevate Church, my name is Colby, and uh, uh, we're in a series called Relationship Reset, where I'm just believing that this season of our life, we need to hit the reset button on our relationships. We've had a heck of a year. There's been a lot of strain. There's been a lot of stress. There has been a lot of, 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 of challenges. That's putting it lightly, in our marriages, in our relationships, in our family. And I think we just need to redefine what it means to have relationships and how to love in those relationships. In fact, our foundational text is 1 Corinthians 13, 7. It says this, that love never stops being patient, never stops believing, never stops hoping, and never gives up. We're going to have it up for you on the screen, but I'm going to read it to you again just so you, you're with me. Love never stops being patient. It never stops believing, never stops hoping, and never stops giving up. And in this one verse, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7, there are four choices that we need to make. And I just kicked off this, this series last week with the first two choices uh, that we need to make. And if we make these choices every single day in our relationships, if we make these choices then it's like hitting the reset button on our relationships. But first of all, we need to understand that love is a choice. Come on, how many of you remember? Love is a choice. It's not a feeling, right? It's not an emotion. Love is a, a choice because if it were not a choice, God could not command it from us. And that's what he does in John 15, 12. He says this, I command you. I don't, this is not a suggestion. This is not, you know, a request. He says, I command you to love each other just as I have loved you. So we need to take the kind of love that God has given us that is available to us. Jeremiah says it's an everlasting love, this kind of everlasting love. And we need to demonstrate that same kind of love towards others. And we read that and we go, wow, is that even possible? Can I really love someone the way that, that God loves me? Can this even, even happen? And, and I believe it can when we understand that love is a choice. It's a choice. It's not a, a feeling, which means, by the way, you can choose to love or you can choose not to love. So if you have stopped loving in your relationship, it's because you chose to stop loving. Are you with me? And, and if you decide you're going to love through it all, no matter what, come hell or high water, it's because you have made the choice that I'm going to love through it all. But it's not easy. How many of you know it's not easy to love? And that's why God's word says so much about it. In fact, the Bible is one big love story from cover to cover where God gives us some instruction. God gives us some, some handles on how, how we love one another and what this looks like in our daily lives. I almost called this series Love Handles. Because that would have made sense, but I didn't want to give you the wrong idea. And I didn't want you staring at mine the whole time. So that's probably why I didn't do that. But it's a big love story that from cover to cover, right, it's all about this unearned, unmerited love that God has for human, humankind, for humanity. That he would go to unimaginable lengths to restore something that was broken. To bring us into a right relationship with God that he would sacrifice Right, what was most important to him so that he could reset the, the most important relationship, and that is our relationship with God. 
And that's what he did through Jesus, by the way. Jesus is the reset button on God's love for us. That's what he did for us. In fact, this is not even up for debate. I'm sorry if you want to argue with me, but the, the climax of the love story that God has written in his word is, is, is summarized in one verse, perhaps the most popular verse on the planet, perhaps even the most popular statement in all of the earth, and that is John 3:16. for God so loved you. God so loved the world that he gave, that his love demanded an action. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Ultimately, write this down. God is, he's love. You've heard that before. Maybe you've seen that before. God is love. He's the author of it. He's the creator of it. He's the, the originator of love. It's not our idea. It's not something we came up with. It's not something that, that we developed, that God is love. And if he is love, if it's his idea, if it's his creation, then we need to look to him and how to better define it and how to better live it out in this cray-cray world that we're living in. Amen? Listen, this world is crazy. And a lot of times we have confused what the, the meaning of love is. We interchange the word love and lust and lust and love. And we interchange the word passion and desire and all this for love. We have lost the value. We have lost the meaning of, of love in a worldview that, that says, I love you. To, to demonstrate, you know, the kind of feelings you have for your spouse. And, and in the same breath, you can say, I love, you know, to also represent the way you feel about Cocoa Puffs. Like that, it's as flippant as we use it. I love Cocoa Puffs, which for me is Fruity Pebbles. But we have lost the meaning of love, and we all have different meanings of love, different definitions of love. I have a definition of love based on how I was brought up and how I've seen love modeled in my home by my past experiences. And if I was to ask you, you would have a different definition as well based on how you were raised. And so we're trying to figure out what does love look like? What does God's love look like in a love-broken, love-anemic world where we don't even understand it? And so to answer that, we have to go back to the, the beginning. God is love. And if he's love, what does it look like for me to have it? What does it look like for me to, to express it, to give it? I love the fact that the Bible says, for God so loved that he, he did something. You know, the verb of the Bible is not love. The verb of the Bible is give. That God so loved that he, he gave us something. He gave us his son. God's love for us caused something to happen. God's love for us was expressed. God didn't just keep it to himself. God didn't just have love. God gave love. Are you with me? He gives it to us. And he gave us love through the person of Jesus Christ. So before I kind of finish up these two choices, the, the final two choices that we need to make to reset our relationships I want us to talk about what God's love is because we need to have a good understanding. Write this down. God's love is unconditional. Man, it's without condition. It does not matter what you did last night. It does not matter what you did in your past. God doesn't love you anymore. He does not love you any less. His love for you is unconditional. And if we could just grab a hold of that, his unfailing love, his unconditional, unrelenting love is what heals the love wounds in our life. It's what heals the, the brokenness in our life. It's unconditional. It's also sacrificial. He gave us something. 
He gave us his son. He gave us his best. His love for you cost him dearly. His love for me cost him something. It was not just a feeling. It wasn't just an emotion. God didn't just feel love for you, but his love caused him to commit to an action. That action was a sacrifice that he gave us through his, his son. If we're going to express love and understand love, we have to know that it is sacrificial. God's love is personable. It's not just an idea. It's not just a philosophy. It's, it, it's personable. It's tangible. And God's love was manifested for us through the person of, of Jesus. Jesus came in flesh to reveal to us the love of God for a fallen and broken world. And we can know the love of God because we can know the love of God through Jesus. Are you with me? Like, so we can know Jesus and we can know God's love through him. God's love is acceptable. Hey, this is going to be good news for somebody. You can accept it. You can receive it. You can have God's love. And I know the pushback. You know, somebody would say, uh, yeah, but I'm not lovable. Kobe, you don't know my past. You don't know what I've done. In fact, it's been proven that I'm not lovable. I can't keep a, a relationship. You know, all my, my relationships fail. All of them are broken. I cannot love. Well, guess what? You can hit the reset button of love in your life by receiving, accepting God's love for you. That's where it starts. You're right. You don't have the capacity to love. You don't have it figured out, but God does, and he can do it through you. And then lastly, God's love is accessible. It's for everyone. It's not just for a limited few. It's not for, you know, a certain demographic, a certain skin color, a certain background, a certain family heritage. It's not for the elite, the spiritual, or the powerful. God's love is for everyone. So here's the big idea. Write this down. I can only give God's love if I have received God's love. How many of you know you can't give something you haven't received? And if I'm going to give you God's love, if I'm going to express God's love, if I'm going to have the relationships that he wants me to have, I must first believe and accept his love that he's given me through Jesus, his son, inviting me into a relationship with him, living for him, that gives us access to his love for us. I will say it this way. The password to God's love in your life is Jesus Christ. He's the log on. He's the username. He's the password. If you want to receive God's love in your life, it's through Jesus. We receive this amazing love that he has for us. And that's what the apostle John is trying to let people know. In fact, if you want to uh, flip through your, your Bible, put your uh, bookmark or whatever you have or your iPhone thing, whatever, Google, whatever you use, into 1 John chapter 4, but then also uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Because in 1 John chapter 4, John's having a conversation about this very thing with people that are trying to figure out what does it look like for me to love people when sometimes people are difficult to love. Let's be honest. Are they difficult to love? Some people are just cray-cray. Not crazy. Cray-cray. There's a difference. And sometimes they're hard to love. And if we don't have an understanding of how God loved us and the way we're supposed to love one another and we haven't seen it modeled in our home, we don't have a good example to follow, how am I supposed to give something that I have not received or something that I don't understand? So John was working through that. And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, he says this, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. 
He says, verse 10, this is love. I love that. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's John 3.16 right there. That he sent Jesus to pay a price that we owed. To settle a debt that we owed. To right a wrong in my life. That's what Jesus did for you. That's what it means to, to atone for your sins. He paid for something so you don't have to pay for it. Somebody say amen to that right there. Isn't that good news? That he paid for it? He took it on himself. The most tragic thing in the world is for you to pay for something that's already been paid for. And you might be here today and you might be far from God and you need to know that he sent his son to pay and settle your debt. If you would accept him into your life. He says this, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another because of his love for us. Now we are a, a conduit of that love. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And I love that because I've never seen God, but I've seen God's love. I've never seen God, but I've seen his compassion. I've seen his love demonstrated through people. I see it on you. I see it in the way that you serve. Like no one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, then God lives in us. His love is made complete in us. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. This is key. We love because he first. In fact, the only way I have the capacity to love you, the only way I have the, the ability to, to love or, or the ability to love someone who's difficult to love or awkward to love or, or has been disloyal, who has betrayed you is because he first loved us. You cannot give what you have not received. It's the old saying that what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. You heard that before? Whatever's down in the well of your life is what comes up in the bucket of your life. And so if down in the well of your life, you are filled and you are overflowing with the love of God, that's what's gonna come up in the bucket of your life. And that's gonna spill out to others. But if down in the well of your life is depleted, it's void, there's, there's nothing there, then that's what's gonna come up and flow out of your life. So it boils down to this idea. I'm getting ready to give you the secret of love. Are you ready for this? The secret of love, write it down. The secret of love is being loved by God. In fact, I would scratch that out because I changed this uh, earlier today because that's my prerogative. The secret of love is receiving God's love. Every single one of you is loved by God. But the secret of love and the secret of our relationships is first receiving God's love. Colby, give me the secret because my marriage is broken. My, my, my family is broken. We're, we're fractured. I need the secret. All right, here's the secret. We love because God first loved us. And I've received the love that he has for me so that I can uh, flow that, that love that I have for others from that. So, so could it be this, um, that our first step towards loving people in our life is not stepping towards them. My first step towards loving you is not necessarily stepping towards you because sometimes in my, my own ability and my capacity, I can't do it. I get frustrated. Some people are hard to love. My first step in, in loving is not stepping towards them. My first step in loving is stepping towards him. Are you with me? It's not stepping towards them because we all have people that are hard to love in our family. You got them in your family. 
If you don't have them in your family, you're probably the one that's hard to love. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> we all got crazy cousin Eddie. We all got Uncle Phil, right? They show up to the reunion and the first thing out of his mouth is, oh, I heard you lost your job. <laughs> well, thanks for bringing that up. I haven't seen you in 12 years and you lead with, I heard you lost your job. Well, your kid is still ugly. How about that? <laughs> it's hard to love people. And so what he's telling us is maybe my first step in loving you is not stepping towards you. My first step in being able to love you the way God wants me to love you is to step towards him and to receive the love that he has for me so that it flows out from me to others. You can't give what you haven't received. The secret of, of loving one another is receiving the love of God, being able to love others. And I read that and I think, wow, God, you've solved my love problems. You've solved my people issues. Because just maybe, maybe, right, when I start stepping towards you and I start seeing my wife the way you see her. Maybe when I start seeing my, my husband the way that you see them, maybe you're the lens through which I need to see all the relationships in my life. Maybe when I see my, my son who has gone far from you, God, through your eyes, then I can better love them as I receive the love that you have for me. I love 1 Corinthians 13. You can flip over there now because you can't talk about love without talking about 1 Corinthians 13. It's known as the love chapter. Uh, I've done dozens and dozens of weddings, and I guarantee you it's going to show up at some point in the wedding. It's the Mount Everest of love, and for good reason, because the chapter breaks down for us what God's love looks like and then how we are to live it out in our life. And so 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 4, this is a picture of that unconditional love that God gives us. What does it mean to love? Verse 4 says, love is patient. It's kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Like, you read that and you think, that's so, that's so self-explanatory. That's so simple. But simple doesn't mean easy. But if we just were patient with each other, if we were just kind, if we didn't envy or boast, or weren't proud, does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs, which I'm, I'm like, God, did you have to put that one in there? Because I got a list. <laughs> Does anybody else have a list? It's shameful to say, I got a list, right? You wronged me. You know, I'm going to go on the list. Hey, but maybe what he's saying to us is, hey, your first step in loving someone is not stepping towards the list and stepping toward all that's wrong and all that they've done, but your first step in loving them is stepping towards him. Keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love never stops being patient, never stops believing, never stops hoping, and never gives up. Amen. Colby will come up short. Colby's patience will run out. Colby's hope will, will wane a little bit. But when I surrender, right, I'm tapping into a different source. I'm tapping into a different well, like my reservoir becomes full and I'm able to share God's love with those in my life. Now there are four choices and they happen to be all from this verse that we started talking about. Last week I shared the first two with you that we need to make every day. 
If you want a lasting love in these turbulent times, you need to make some choices every single day. And the first was love never stops being patient, meaning love extends grace. We talked about how we need to extend grace to those around us. And then love never stops believing how how we need to express faith in those that we love. And I'm not going to recap all those, but I would encourage you to go online and listen to the message. If you missed it, we're going to pick it up right here with this next one. The third thing is 1 Corinthians 13, 7 tells us is love expects the best. It expects the best from each other. It never uh, stops hoping, right? It's forward looking. It's optimistic. It's not stuck in the past. It's not keeping the record of wrongs. It expects the best. And that's from 1 Corinthians 13, 7, where it says love never stops hoping. Never stops hoping. The problem is the longer you are with an imperfect person, which, by the way, in any relationship you are in, it's with an imperfect person. Are you with me? There's no such thing as a perfect person. Like, we all have issues. If you don't think you have issues, that's your issue. We won't pray for you. But the longer we're in a relationship with someone, the more we expect the worst, it seems like. And why do we do that? Because we know them. I know how you'll respond. I know how you will act. And so I just fall into the trap of expecting the worst from my wife or expecting the worst from my my husband. And when you do that, you need to know you're setting yourself up for a self-fulfilling prophecy. And you're setting them up for failure. Because study after study after study has shown this. Check this out. We tend to act in ways that the people we value the most expect us to act. Let me say that again. We tend to act in the ways. We tend to live up to the expectations that the people we love the most expect us to act. In other words, people will rise or they'll fall to your level of expectation. It is a self-fulfilling prophecy. There's a guy named Bruce uh, Wilkinson who wrote the the prayer of Jabez. I don't know if you've read the book. It's a really small read. Uh, It's just... It's super short. It's all about just asking for God's provision in your life. But before he wrote this book, he was a professor at Multnomah University out in the Northwest. And his first year there, uh, they, they gave him two classes. And they said, here's two classes for you. They're both English. They're advanced placement classes. And so he's pumped up about that. He's like, I get the brightest kids. I get the sharpest kids. And so he said, sure enough, after you know, a few weeks into it, he's like, they were sharp. And they were on everything, they asked good questions, they responded well, they were just the brightest, they were the best of the best. And by the end of the semester, everyone in the class got A's or B's. And so at the end of the semester, he's in the teacher's faculty lounge, and he's talking with one of the other professors, and he said, man, I hope I get those classes again. And they're like, which classes? He said, it's the advanced placement English classes. And he looked at him and said, hey, we don't have any advanced placement classes here at this school. It was a setup. But because he thought they were advanced, hey, hey, he treated them as advanced. And when he treated them as advanced, they rose to the occasion. People will rise or fall to your level of expectation. Treat them that way. Love expects the best. What are you expecting from your husband? What are you expecting from your wife? Hey, hey, what are you expecting from yourself? Because we tend to fulfill the expectations of those that we value most. But love expects the best. 
You know how you change bad behavior into good behavior? You don't, you don't change bad behavior into good behavior by telling someone they're bad. You change bad behavior into good behavior by giving them a picture of what they could be. Amen. Like if you were to say, Colby, you, you, you really suck at doing this. <laughs> Whatever it was. I'd be like, yeah, you're probably right. Like I'm, I'm garbage at that. I can't do that. In fact, you don't even know how bad I am at it. You know, I'm bad. But if you were to look at me and say, Colby, I believe that you could do an amazing job at this. I believe you could kill it. In fact, I see something in you. Or when someone comes up to you and says, hey, 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 you know what? You could be a man that your wife honors. You could be a, a woman that the community respects. You could be someone that your family and your friends want to be around. Like, I see something in you. You could be someone great. If you would just give your life 100% over to God, you could do amazing things. Like when you tell somebody that, like that gets me excited. Does that not pump you up? You're like, let's go. You think I can do it? I can do it. Let's go. Not for people say before, no, no, no. I just keep it real. Keep it real. I've heard preachers say this. Or just tell it like it is. Well, that's a lousy way to preach. When you just tell it like it is, all you're doing is reinforcing the negative. And guess what? We get enough of that out in the world. We hear enough of the negative. We hear enough of the garbage, like speaking uh, over our lives. I don't tell you like it is. I tell you like it could be. That's preaching for faith. That's preaching for expectation. That's preaching for what God wants to do. I tell you like it could be. So here's the key. If you want to reset your relationships, don't just treat people the way they are, but write this down. Treat people the way you want them to become. I want my wife to treat me like a, a king. <laughs> treat her like a queen. That's what he's telling us. In the Living Bible, that translation says, if you love somebody, you'll always be loyal to him. No matter what the cost, you'll always believe in him, always expect the best of him, always stand your ground, defending him. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11 says, encourage each other and build each other up. You're expecting the best. You're building each other up. Do you know Satan's four favorite words? You know what they are? You can't do it. And every single person in this room, your husband, your wife, everybody, Satan will tell you millions of times in your life that you can't do it. He loves to whisper to you that you're not good enough, that you can't do it. So check this out. Every time you encourage someone, you are launching a counter strike and defeating Satan in their life. Did you know that? That's how big a deal it is. When you encourage, when you expect the best, when you say, you love, I love you, you got this, because the enemy's saying, you can't do it. And you just resolve to say, hey, no matter what the enemy's telling you, I believe in you, I expect the best of you, that you can do it. This is what my wife does to our boys, by the way. Like whenever they make a mistake, which is every two to three seconds, <laughs> she'll sit them down and says, you are an honorable young man. You don't harp on the bad thing. You're an honorable young man. I expect better of you. Love expects the best. So that means you gotta get rid of the language that is so absolute saying, you always do this. You all, you never. That's not expecting the best. That's keeping a record. 
Love expects the best. You know what the number one killer of love is in a marriage? It's not what you think it is. It's not financial debt. It's not adultery. It's not anger. It's not hatred. The number one killer of love in a marriage is neglect. It's neglect when you don't build each other up, when you don't encourage one another. Listen to this poem. It says, if I knew this was the last time I'd see you fall asleep, I'd tuck you in more tightly and pray your soul to keep. If I knew this was the last time I'd see you at the door, I'd hug and kiss you one more time and call you back for more. If I knew this was the last time I'd get to share your day, I know that I'd make certain that it didn't slip away. We assume we'll always have tomorrow to correct an oversight, that we'll always have another chance to make everything all right. There will always be another day to say that I love you. There will always be another chance to ask what can I do, but just in case, I might be wrong. And today is all I get. I want to say I love you so that you will not forget. Tomorrow is not promised that we'll see another night. Today could be my last chance to love and hold you tight. Instead of waiting for tomorrow, show some love somehow. For if tomorrow never comes, you'll wish you'd done it now. That you didn't take the extra time for a smile, a hug, or a kiss. Instead, you were too busy for that one that you now miss. Hold your loved ones close today. Whisper in their ear. Tell them that you love them and why you hold them dear and say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. You're the best and it's okay. So if tomorrow never comes, you will not regret today. That's a great poem. But can I encourage you not just to let it be a great poem? Like I've done so many funerals and I've seen that over and over and over again, too little, too late. Amen. For the love of God, like don't wait. If you're gonna give someone flowers, give them while they're alive. Are you with me? Yeah. Don't wait until the funeral. I've been to some very sad, depressing funerals where you know one took the time to let the person know in the moment how much they loved them, wow. how much they cared. They just waited. But love encourages, it builds, it expects the best. And here's the, the last thing I want to give you. It doesn't just extend grace or express faith or express the best, but the last one is this, it endures the worst. It's persistent. It is um, resolute. It's stubborn sometimes. You gotta be stubborn sometimes. It endures the worst. It refuses to quit. So what verse seven tells us, love never gives up. The New International Version says, love endures through every circumstance. The NLT says, love always preserves. The message says, love never looks back. It keeps going to the end. It never gives up. It endures the worst, Kristen and I got married at 20 years old and 23 years old, respectively. It was about six years ago. Close. Close. But when we got married, we closed 
the escape hatch on the marriage and threw away the key and said, no matter what, through thick and thin, we're in this because love endures the worst. And we said that no matter what happens, even if this marriage kills us, and it nearly did. I'm kidding. She probably nearly killed me. He said, no matter what, love endures the worst. Love never gives up. And we've had times of, of doubt and disappointments. We've had delays. We've had demands on our life. We've had disagreements just like you. We've had derailments just like you. We've had seasons in our life where we just could not communicate well with each other. And I've had to get counseling through that and are in counseling now through that. I know some of you think you're gonna need a counselor. Yeah, we all do. If you're in a tough season in your relationship to try to go it alone is ridiculous. We just decided that no matter what, Love never gives up. It always preserves. It never looks back. And I know as soon as I say that, some of you, there might be a, a hundred different emotions right now because you feel like either you come from a failed marriage or, or right now your marriage is falling apart. It's just not happy. You're like, Colby, you don't even understand what I'm going through. You don't understand what I have endured I just believe I'm on assignment today to tell somebody, don't do it. Don't give up. You have no idea what you will be missing because it is way more rewarding to restore a relationship than to run from one. Wow. Hey, running is the easy way out. Love never gives up. It never gives up. I've endured so much. I've gone through so much pain. We've gone through so much hurt. Then why on earth would you give up and waste it? Waste what you've gone through. Waste what you've endured. It doesn't give up. I wasn't sure exactly how one to close this. And I was praying even just yesterday. Because I believe sometimes God will lead me to scripture. And he led me to Judges chapter 6. And and I didn't know why, because I'm like, I don't, I don't get that necessarily. Joshua and Jericho and, and not giving up. I just have to believe this is for somebody in this room or somebody online right now. If you remember the story, God approaches Joshua and he says, hey, I've, I've already delivered this city into your hands. Before the battle, I've already given them over to you. You already have victory in this thing, but here's what you got to do. It's going to be a little crazy. It's going to be a little audacious, but I want you to, to grab the, the priests and grab the worship leaders and grab the, the warriors, and I want you to march around the walls of this thing for, for six days, once a day. And then on the seventh day, I want you to do it seven times. And on the seventh time, then blow the trumpet, give a yell, and the walls are coming down. But don't forget, I have already given you victory. I've already given it to you. The battle is not yours, it's mine, says the Lord. So I've already given you victory. And how many of you know, if God has said it, there is no further discussion needed. If God's told you it, no further discussion required, but you have to obey. And sometimes obeying means getting radical. It's not working. We've tried, we keep beating our head against the wall. We're well, doing the same old thing 
trying to fix something, when you might just have to get crazy and you might just have to start marching, it might have to look different. You might have to look a little extreme. Maybe you gotta get rid of your social media. Maybe you gotta get rid of some things in your life. Because ultimately on the other side of that obedience was victory. And I say that because I think some of you, you'd say, I've been enduring, I've been enduring, I've been enduring, there's pain and pain and pain. But I need to tell somebody in this room today that while you feel like you've been beating your head against the wall, it could very well be that you are on lap number six of seven. And breakthrough is just around the corner. If you would be obedient, if you would praise God, if you would worship God, then it's coming. It's coming. It is always better to restore a relationship than to run from it. Don't run from it. Hosea 3.1. Here's another one. I'm just going to throw it. I don't know who this is for. But Hosea, the prophet, says, go and get your wife. Even though she has loved adultery more than God. And return with her. I don't know who that's for. But the way that we love one another is we go and we get them and we show them the love that God has for us no matter what, no matter what. I was thinking about the, yeah, I'm gonna close, I know. It's time to go. I was thinking about these four choices that we need to make every single day to extend grace, to express faith in each other, Right, to, to endure the worst, to expect the best. Can I tell you something? These are the same things that Jesus offers you. He extends grace to you. The relationship that God wanted to reset from the beginning of his word to the end is the broken relationship that we have with him. Our sin separates us from God. And so he, in his unconditional love, in his sacrificial love, gave his best for us so that he could bring us into a right relationship with him. And I don't know how you love someone in a marriage the way you are intended to without first putting God at the center of it. It's hard to do. But when my reservoir of love is full of God's love, I've accepted it, I've received it, it makes it easier for me to spill over to those around me. Maybe you're here today and you've never received that unconditional love that God has for you, that he sacrificed his son for you, would you just bow your head, close your eyes? I got two questions for you. I know there's a lot going on right now. Maybe you're watching this at home and, and you got the oven preheated and you're putting a roast in. I don't know if people still do that. But I think this could be a holy moment no matter where you are. If you would just take a breath and just ask God, God, what are you speaking to me right now? Because God is a God who speaks. God is a God who will answer you. What are you telling me about my marriage? What are you telling me about my relationships, God? Where are you telling me that I need to, to endure? Where are you telling me I need to expect better? Where are you telling me I need to, to express faith and extend grace? What's he saying to you? And then question number two, so what are you gonna do about it? 
Maybe you've never received the love that Jesus has for you, that God has for you. And I wanna give you a chance to do that right now because through that, everything else flows in the way we love each other. Not only does he promise you an eternal life with him one day in heaven, but he promises you a full life today. And the Bible says, as we confess him as Lord, believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that he paid the price for me, that I can have freedom, I can be saved, and I can be reborn as a follower of Jesus. I wanna lead you in a prayer that does that. In fact, I'm gonna encourage our whole church right now to pray out loud with you, giving you confidence and bolstering your faith as well. And you do it online as well with us out loud. Just say something like this if that's your prayer. Jesus today, come on, say it out loud. Jesus today, I give you my life. Thank you for the sacrifice you made for me on the cross. Forgive me of my sin. You are my Lord. Come on, you are my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, celebrate with us today and online. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.